Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 18. I know in your, um, in your bulletin it says uh, 15 through 22, but I'm just going to read 15 through 20. So uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Here now the inspired words of God. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector." Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, uh, uh, it's a pretty long title for a sermon, right? Uh, I, I used to think that I would write a book with that title, uh, to be honest with you. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a fun, it's a fun topic. So I think that uh, a lot of people know, am I a little bit loud? No, you're good? I feel like I'm like making your ears bleed. But anyway, um, uh, I think a lot of people uh, realize that, that Jesus probably knew humanity pretty well, right? <laughs> And, uh, and I think Jesus knew that we would probably uh, get into disagreements and arguments uh, and have differing opinions and differing thoughts, right? And um, so one of the few places in the entire Bible do we find uh, Jesus actually giving you step one, step two, step three. Uh, rarely is that found in our Bible. And so it's, it's kind of amazing that it's so explicit in this text that we read today, uh, that, that Jesus does that. And I think that uh, uh, it's so important for us to kind of realize that we're all going to have disagreements, right? I mean, sometimes we have disagreements uh, in, in relationships, marriage, uh, in uh, <clears throat> basketball games, as my wife uh, tells it. I mean, uh, we all have disagreements, and... Um, and it's important to make sure that we know how to deal with those disagreements. Uh, and so Jesus starts off with uh, step one. It says, if someone sins against you. Now, I have to understand that that term sin is an archery term. Anybody here an archer? Archery? Like to hunt with a bow? Maybe? Maybe no one? Really? Okay, thank you. All right. I was like, you got to be kidding me. We're in Texas. Um, uh, it's that, it's that understanding that you're missing the mark. So you might have hit the target, but you're just not bullseye, okay? So when you miss that mark, you're just off from being right on the mark. Uh, and that's the term sin. So if you're sinning against God, then you are just missing the mark of where God would want you to be. But in this case, it's actually talking about if someone sins against you. So if they're missing their mark uh, in their relationship with you, so between you and me, or, or, or you and someone else, right? And so most of the time we always just assume it's always a sinning against God, but this text is actually talking about when we might sin against each other. Uh, now I have a feeling that if you're sinning against each other, 
you're probably sinning against God too. <laughs> They're probably more tied than what we think they are. Um, but that's the idea, right? It's when you're, you're having an argument and you're missing the mark on a perfect and right and good relationship with another person. Uh, so if someone sins against you, uh, then you start off with step one. And step one says, go and point out the fault uh, when, you, when the two of you are alone. Now, uh, does it say send an email? No. Does it say make a phone call when you got a problem with somebody? No. There's nothing up there about a text message? <laughs> There's not even anything up there about writing an actual letter and mailing it off, is there? No, you've got to, you've got to own up that the relationship is broken in some way, and you have to go to them. Now, I think, it's, I think we all know why, right? I mean, because every email, every text message, even letters can be mis- misconstrued, right? I mean, if, if you're trying to tell someone something, and if you don't have the inflection, and you're not able, able to really just, you know, face-to-face, eyes-to-eyes, see what's going on, and, and hearing what's going on and be able to actually clarify right then and there when you have a conversation. You just can't do that as well with an email, especially if someone's already upset with you, right? Because they've already got it in their head that you're wrong. <laughs> that usually happens in, in arguments. I'm assuming if it happens to you like it does to me, like I think I'm right and they think they're right. And so therefore, if I'm right, the byproduct is that you're wrong and, of course, they think the same thing for me. So if I send a text message or an email or a letter or something like that, they're going to read it, and they're just going to start assuming uh, some pretty bad things about me or, oh, they're just doing passive-aggressive or whatever else. And you can see how your brain just goes along those lines. But if you're in person with somebody, they don't have those options. They have to deal with it, and you have to deal with it. Now, uh, the, so that's the first part is step one. Uh, now, now, also the first part in that text is it says uh, you're supposed to go to them and speak out, t- point out the fault, but right after that it says, and listen to them. I'd say a lot of arguments that I have with other people or that we have with each other probably doesn't involve a lot of listening. And listening is so vitally important. The text right after the text we read is all about forgiveness. The whole thing is about forgiveness after this text. So if we're going to read things in context, that listening piece probably should be including a little bit of forgiveness in the midst of that as well. All right, step one, you go to them. That might not work, right? They might be so angry and so upset, they're just not going to listen. Or you're not going to listen, <laughs> right? And so the next step two is to take one or two others along with you. Now, this is a very Jewish way of dealing with arguments because when you are in uh, a legal binding, legal agreement or something like that, then you have to bring two or three witnesses with you so that they can be witnesses to what's going on, and then you can be able to bring that to court, okay? So the same idea is true here, but here's the thing. Uh, I don't know about you, but I have a feeling you're, you're, you're probably similar, at least most of us or a few of you out there, because when you get into an argument with somebody, 
what's, what's one of the first things you do? What's the first thing you do when you get into an argument? You wanna know what Tiffany's first thing she did after she yelled at a, re- at, at a coach? She sent me a tirade text. Not mad at me, but she just wanted to get it off her chest, right? But I also have a feeling that she wanted to make sure that she had support in me. You see, Tiffany wanted to collude with me. She wanted to say, yeah, don't you agree with me? We're we're right. I'm right, right? I'm right, right? And so a lot of times you'll probably go off when you have a disagreement with somebody and you'll go find your friends or your family members and you'll start to collude with them and you'll start to build up that anger or that frustration that you might have with the other person. Does this sound familiar at all to anybody? Have I gone from preaching to meddling yet? (laughs) Just wait. (laughs) Just wait. And so that's what we do, right? We want to go and collude so we can all be supportive with other people. And what we're really doing is just fueling that flame of being able to say, no, no, I'm right and they're wrong. And now I've got a group of people that agree with me. And they're probably doing the same thing over there. And so when one small disagreement between two people slowly turns into uh, a, a disagreement between cliques of friends uh, or, or maybe a families between families, and who knows, maybe it actually goes from uh, families to an entire races or countries, and then you have wars, and then you have genocide or millions dying. I mean, it just keeps on going, doesn't it? And Jesus is saying, gosh, it could have all stopped so early on. But the people you're supposed to take with you are the people that could actually speak into your life and speak into the other person's life. You don't bring your friends with you. You don't bring the people that are on your side with you. Because that's not what the Jewish way of doing things was. You brought someone that was like a judge that could truly be a third person, a third party to look at things objectively and be able to come to that meeting. Does that make sense? Makes a lot more sense right now, doesn't it? Because all of us would only want to bring our friends to that, the ones that would agree with us. If that doesn't work, because Jesus knows that there are just some really stubborn people in the world, like me. (laughs) Then the third thing you do is you tell the church. Uh, And then the church, uh, if they continue to not want to listen to be a part of that, uh, then they are supposed to be treated as if they were a tax collector or a Gentile, when in other words, they were basically just not allowed to be a part of the community at that point in time. Um, and then he talks about there being implications of what we do here on earth is actually echoed into heaven as well, which is really powerful if you think about it, the whole loosed on earth and loosed in heaven and those kinds of things. It's just saying that there are implications that what we do here actually has eternal uh, implications. And so um, we, we should just take this for, uh, to, to, the, to the fullest extent. So I know tons of churches, I know tons of organizations in the world that if we would just follow this, we would deal with all, all kinds of junk and muck 
between broken relationships that need that reconciliation. But what do most groups do or most churches do or most people do? They say, oh, well, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's do this. They start planning and thinking through it instead of just saying, hey, uh, I just want to encourage you to at least just go talk to them. <laughs> uh, half of it is our responsibility to, if we hear someone's upset with somebody, that we challenge them to say, have you talked to them about it? Like, just you two, not an email, not a text. Just, just could you talk to them about it? Have you prayed about it? Have you actually, you know, invited Christ into that discussion, that argument? Um, I think a lot of things could be fixed and reconciliation could be done. Now, Jesus does not actually specifically tell us uh, what we're supposed to say when we go to them, right? Uh, he just basically says, the Holy Spirit's going to be involved. I'll just go for it, you know. <laughs> um, and that's where uh, my time at Apple has actually come into play. So I've worked at Apple, and one of the things I did for Apple is I actually did all their onboarding process. So I would actually do all of the, um, the assimilation is futile uh, <laughs> uh, kinds of stuff for all the new people coming into Apple. And so one of the things that Apple does, and they do it really, really well, is something called the feedback grid. And the feedback grid is if you want to give or receive feedback, then you follow this method of being able to give and receive feedback. And you're hungry for feedback because, why? Because that's the only thing that's going to make you a better person is if you actually learn from your mistakes or someone else's mistakes, and so you actually want to be a part uh, of giving and receiving really, really good feedback. So what I'm about to tell you right now changed my life, and I want to encourage and allow the Holy Spirit to be able to sink into your life so it can actually change your life too. This happens in every one of the premarital counseling that I do, uh, but any chance I can, if I'm a part of a staff or anywhere, I say, this is what I expect uh, for everyone to do for me, but also what I would want you to hold me accountable for doing for you as well. Uh, so with that said, uh, I think this is what Jesus would have done, even though it was Apple and it probably came up with some people at Harvard. But anyway, here's a feedback grid. All right, so you have positive and negative feedback, and you have general and specific feedback, okay? Everybody with me? It's not too hard, right? All right, so uh, positive feedback would be something good, Correct. Uh, And then general feedback would just be something really, really general. So uh, if that was the case, someone give me an example of positive general feedback. Uh, The music here is great. Yeah, that's pretty general. I agree. What's someone else over here? I like you. I like you, DG. Well, that's even a little bit too specific. Uh, Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like you. What about this? High five, right? Good job. Way to go. Um, You're awesome. So, all right, so those are some examples. Good job, way to go. You're awesome. Whoa, those are the exact words I just said. That's crazy. Um, so how long do you think that's going to affect you in your life? Pretty short term, right? I can't remember when my junior high coach gave me a high five at a football game. I just don't remember that, right? It was good, and, and I needed it at that point in time, but it just didn't stick with me. So you're right. So it doesn't go very long. It just kind of is a little short right there uh, in your life, right there. So, but do we need that in our lives? Yeah, of course. We need that. That's good things. It's nice to be able to hear that I'm awesome or uh, that that you're loved and and you're cared for, right? Okay. So what's an example of a general negative feedback? What's that? Yeah, yeah, say it. You You suck. That's right. That's exactly right. Thank you. That's perfect. I appreciate the honesty and not, not worried about what people think of you. That's awesome. Um, uh, you suck. Um, 
I still have a few body issues from when I was in junior high about people calling me fat, right? I mean, it just still happens to me. Um, this is the one that it changed my life when Apple uh, gave it because God smacked me across the face because I realized that the number one feedback I gave my wife for several years of our marriage was the feedback of, why'd you do that? She would spill coffee on her shirt. And I'd be like, why'd you do that? As if she intentionally spilled coffee on her shirt. It's very general. It's very negative. It's not good, right? And, and, and it smacked me across the face so much that I stopped saying that immediately in my marriage. And, and I, I apologized to Tiffany saying, for years I've said this to you, and I've not even realized that it was this general negative feedback. I mean, I was just crying. Uh, I just could not believe it. it just, I just didn't even realize I was doing it. All right, so general negative feedback. I call this the junior high feedback area of the feedback grid. Uh, anyone who is a girl and has gone through junior high knows the crap you had to put up with uh, when you were in junior high, and it probably is still continuing to challenge some of the ladies way later on in life to still act like they're in junior high. Uh, guys are just dumb and we get over it, but um, general negative feedback, how long does this last in your life? A very long time. Very, very long time. So that arrow is going way over there, okay? All right. Now, before I move to specific, I need to clarify what specific feedback looks like. So specific feedback is feedback that you have heard, that you saw, that you smelled or tasted. Probably don't use the taste very often. Um, but, uh, but that you have to base it around a behavior, okay? So, for example, if I said, why are you so angry? That would be general negative, right? But if I could say, I noticed you punched a hole in the wall. Are you angry? Uh, that would be more specific because it's something I saw them do, right? All right, so with that said, what is, based around a behavior, what is some examples of specific negative feedback? And feel free to be as specific as you want to be. What's that? Don't hit your sibling. I saw you hit your sibling. <laughs> Please stop it, right? That's good. That's great. You saw them do that. Anything else? Anybody else? Uh, okay, so the example that I said, you can go ahead and put it up there, was I noticed that when you were on your phone while you were in line at the grocery store, the employee was extremely frustrated with you, right? Uh, that was, that's definitely something that I've been guilty of, because, but it was a pretty important phone call I was on, but everyone else around me was just giving me go to heaven stairs. Um, and so, I, but, but it's, it was good, it's fine. So specific negative how long do you think that, how long do we want that to last in our lives? Not very long, right? The reason we're giving the specific negative feedback is so that it will stop, right? That's the whole purpose of giving specific negative feedback. So you can't be general about it. You got to be specific, uh, but it's good. Now, is there a place for that in our lives? You're dang right there is. Uh, my daughter would still be punching guys right in their crotch today if I hadn't have stopped her doing that. At a very early age, because it hurt me a lot. And I sang falsetto for a week. But you get the idea. You want to you say it, and it's good to say it because, uh, because you want it to end, right? You want to make them a better person. You want it to end. All right. 
Specific positive feedback. Based around a behavior, but positive. What's an example of that? No one wants to give specific positive feedback. That's really funny. That's awesome. Okay, so giving feedback to my wife who talked to the coach. Thank you so much. I saw you giving, <laughs> saw you giving good positive feedback, or you actually probably gave specific negative feedback to the coach. Uh, I noticed that you didn't let the girls play, uh, but those times that you did let the girls play, the joy on their faces and the smile on their parents' faces made it all worth it, right? Very specific, but I made it a specific positive feedback. That's right. So I took the negative specific and flipped it up and made it a positive specific, right? So the goal here is to get to the positive specific feedback. Why? How long do we want it to last? For as long as it possibly can, right? So I noticed that you folded the laundry and put it away. Whoa, that's some big stuff right there. Thank you so much, right? Very specific, based around a behavior that I saw uh, or smelled in that case. And, uh, and, uh, and it goes a long, long time. It's good. It's healthy. It's right for us, okay? Now, I see some of you taking a picture of that, and that just makes my heart really warm and happy, by the way. Uh, I do have copies of this feedback grid in the back. So there's only made about 100 copies of it, but we can always make more. So just anyway, there's, there's in the back. You can find one of the ushers, and they'll give it to you on the way out. So anyway. Uh, okay, now, so you're supposed to be giving a lot of feedback. You're supposed to be receiving feedback. You want more feedback so you can be a better person. Uh, you want to give really healthy feedback. But here's the thing. Apple didn't realize it. The people at Harvard that created it didn't realize it, but they injected Jesus into it with this last little bit. They said that before you ever give feedback and before you ever receive feedback, number one, you ask them if you can offer it. (laughs) May I give you some feedback? (laughs) Okay. Very important. Uh, sometimes when my, my wife and I, she's had a really rough day and she's been holding something in and she just comes in and I've had her long, long day. And so I sit on the couch and just explosion, <laughs> you know, you don't ever do the laundry. You don't ever do the dishes. Blah, 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 blah. Like what the how, how in the world, where'd that come from? So it's nice if you actually love the other person enough to be able to say, Hey, can I give you some feedback? Or, Hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. It's nothing bad or it's something that's really important. When can we be able to meet, right? So that's the first part is to ask permission. The second part, and this is the most important part of giving and receiving feedback, you always assume positive intent. Do you hear the Jesus in that? (laughs) You always assume positive intent on that person's uh, actions. So... If I was on the phone and I was in the grocery store and the person was really upset with me because I was on the phone, if someone was to give me feedback, they would assume positive intent by saying, is everything okay because I noticed that you were on, a phone, on the phone when you were in line, right? Because that's assuming. Who knows? I could have been finding out that my mother just passed away or Uh, Something really, really important in my life was going on, and I was on the phone, and it looked like I was being rude, but my life was just being, I was just brought straight to my knees with a phone call. And if I assume positive intent on someone's part, and they assume it on my part, then all the better, okay? That's the Jesus. Apple didn't realize they were doing it, but that's the Jesus in it. So 
So if you go to that person, step one, you ask if you can give feedback or tell them something. Step two, you assume positive intent on their part, even though you vehemently disagree with them. You share with them the feedback, the fault, and you hopefully will use the feedback grid and not use the general negative feedback part, okay? And then if someone is reconciled in that relationship, we get to throw a party. It's beautiful. It's awesome. It's wonderful. Same thing. If you bring two or more with you, assume positive intent. Everyone needs to assume positive intent. Give and, give and receive feedback. And then when you bring it to the whole church, the whole church should be loving that person and assuming positive intent on their part, right? This is just who we are. Christ is saying, wars will occur and people will have disagreements, but my followers will do things in love. They'll do things with positive intent. They're going to do things that actually bring reconciliation and healing when it comes to relationships. At the very end of our text, we have uh, a really famous quote that pastors love to quote when only three people show up for worship. Um, And that is, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there also, right? 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 Everyone loves that. They misquote it all of the time. They have no idea what the true meaning is in context. But in context, what it should say is where two or more are gathered in conflict in my name. I am there also. It's even more powerful, I think, to know that our God cares about us when we have broken relationships. Now, you also have to understand that uh, the name is always in the Bible uh, equaling to uh, the nature of someone. Your name is your nature. And so it could also be translated where two or more are gathered in conflict. In my very nature, I am there with them. The nature of Christ is one that when he's dying on a cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them. Right? My prayer is that you can be able to use this and that your lives are transformed and you go transform the rest of the world because you realize the importance of reconciliation and healing in relationships. Now, I know, I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit is challenging some of you right now. A family member that you haven't talked to in forever, a, a, a sibling, a, a friend, a, a coworker, a boss, I don't know. I don't care who it is. I want to invite you to know that God is with you in that conflict and that God is inviting you to bring about reconciliation in your relationships. Because as a Christian, that is what we should be known for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.